Hi, everybody. Welcome back to the Breaking Labels podcast. I am Rosanna Gill. And first, I want to say thank you to everybody who listened to the first episode, who reached out, who was so supportive. I cannot tell you how much it means to me. It makes me that much more excited to share today's episode with you and today's interview with you. Like I mentioned on the last episode, I want people to listen even if the label seems like something that wouldn't resonate with you or you think that you may not have a lot in common with the person. And I sort of did that because I knew what was coming. And by what, I mean who. Very, very excited for today's guest to speak to you because she is such a strong self-assured woman who has a voice and is not afraid to use it. And I think that a lot of women can really learn from her and her story. And spoiler alert, she is actually the pastor of my church. Well, I should say one of the pastors of my church, Story Heights Church. And her label is a pastor's wife. Because being a woman in ministry, very often it's assumed that she is not the pastor. She is simply the wife of the pastor. And I want to make it clear, I'm not saying there's anything wrong with being a wife of a pastor. But even if you are not involved with a church, you don't want to be in a church, I think that you can really get a lot from what Crystal talks about and the circumstances and experiences she's had. It's a funny interview. There are just a couple times where you know, I wasn't sure if I could say what I wanted to say in response to different comments she's heard because, hey, she is a pastor. But the great news about Crystal is she is one of the most down-to-earth, easy-to-talk-to people you will ever meet. So I'm really excited for you to listen. I am actually going to mention the deal of the day now because I do not want to interrupt the podcast or the episode once it gets started. So just like last week, our deal of the day is 15% off of Spanx. The deal code for 15% off of your order of $75 or more will be in the show notes. Um, So go ahead and have a looky there if you want. I am not going to even get into everything I did last week about how awesome the faux leather leggings are, but suffice to say, they are. And I will say this, one of the two inspirations I had for buying said faux leather leggings was actually my pastor. Now, if that doesn't break a label, I don't know what does, because I want to know how many of y'all have seen your pastors, if it was a man, I don't know, maybe maybe he has worn uh, faux leather leggings, but I promise he didn't look as good in them as my pastor. Well, that sounds weird, but whatevs. So, okay, I said I wasn't going to do a plug, but I did. They're awesome, and she had them, and I always thought, man, if she can make them look classy and cute. And another one of my friends who I'm not going to blow up her spot because I don't know if she wants me to mention her name on the podcast, but she also wore them in a very everyday way. And I was like, well, geez, all right, maybe I can pull these suckers off too. So, yeah, if you want to try them out, go to the link in the show notes. Also, write a review if you enjoy this podcast, whether it's last episode or this episode. I really appreciate the reviews. It helps boost it up on the iTunes list. And I'm very, very excited to announce that as of this podcast dropping, our Instagram account is now up and live as well. And that will be a great place for you to go and see pictures and visual aids for the stories that you hear and the interviews. 
And yes, you will see some pretty embarrassing pictures of me. I haven't gotten Crystal's pictures yet as of this recording, but I'm sure they're going to be awesome. And you'll see some stuff that I think makes a lot more sense once you listen to the episode. So please follow our Instagram account. It is Breaking Labels Podcast because let's keep it simple. Why complicate things? And with that, here's Crystal. Does this thing, do you, do you care about the background here? No, you're good. good. That's real life. <laughs> it is. Well, the good news is it's just the podcast, so nobody will see the ultraviolet light. Although, exactly. actually, it does give you a really nice glow to your skin. Well, dang it. Why didn't you put this on YouTube or something? Right. <laughs> Baby steps. <laughs> right. right. Mm-hmm. Like, you're like, you've got like a microphone and everything. It's amazing. So, backstory, I've had this microphone to do this podcast for about three years. Okay. Well, that's not true. I've had the microphone to do a podcast for about three, actually, maybe even four years. I bought it with a bonus a few years ago. Like, I'm doing it. This is the year. And then I chickened out. I couldn't figure out what to do. And I just got so, like, knee deep in in the problem and not the solution. Just a few years late. Hey, it's never late. It's always right on time. Amen. Amen to that. So, have you given any thought to what your label is? And it doesn't have to be a singular label for the record. It could be multiple labels, but we'll probably dig deep into one or two major ones. Sure. Well, I know that you originally thought of me as just like the label of a pastor's wife or like a woman in ministry and what that, that label and what that is assumed to be. Mm -hmm. Um, And then, you know, obviously, of course, another label that I have is wife and mom, you know, that's like the season of life I'm in. So I think if you dug deep into those two things, I think probably there's a lot more behind just those labels. Okay, well, so I want to do both because that's so true. First, can we dig into the wife and mom? Because I think that speaks to so many women and how it's so easy to just say, I'm just a wife, I'm just a mom. And for that to be the all-encompassing part of what somebody's identity is. Right, 100%. So one, how do you deal with when you feel like people are putting that or kind of pigeonholing you into that? And then how do you work on not seeing yourself as just that or anything else? Right. Well, I mean, I think when it comes to being a mom and a wife, um, I think, you know, women, we can kind of fall into that trap of, well, I'm just a mom. I'm just a wife. This is all I can do. This is just who I am. I don't do anything else. Um, or like the idea that we give up so much when we become, when we get married or when we become mothers that, you know, we can't do what was in our heart to do when we went to college or, um, we worked on that masters or, you know, the dreams that we had, like we can only have one or the other. And I just don't believe that. Um, you know, I think being a wife and a mom is really sacred and it's really a beautiful thing. And it's added so much to my life. It has not limited me but it's added so many other things to my life. Of course, there's stuff I hate doing as a wife and a mom. I hate doing all the laundry. And I'm just going to be honest with you. My husband and my kids don't do it good. So I'm not going to let them. Like, I'm just going to take that with my label and just do the laundry because I actually fold it correctly and put it away correctly. And, you know, um, I'm always like, who took out the clean clothes out of the dryer and just put them on the floor? Like, I just washed and dried those. 
so, you know, there's just some things that come with wife, mom label that I just proudly, I just proudly own that. Um, but there's things- I resent them for that because laundry, I, as a single, I'm just doing laundry for me and I still get annoyed at it. So yeah, how laundry do you, it's not fun, man. It's, it's, it never stops, especially if you have four kids. It just never stops. I mean, you should see outside of my laundry room right now. I've been putting it off all week long. I usually try to do a load a day, like literally load on, on my Google calendar. You would see every person has a laundry day assigned, you know, no. Monday, Campbell's Tuesday, I'm Wednesday, then it's Thursday, Tyler's Friday, linens are Saturdays. And then Sunday I get a day off of laundry, but seriously, every day that I try to wash, fold, I mean, wash, dry, fold, put away laundry. Wait, so the podcast is now about laundry. I will give you all the tips of managing a household of laundry. I'm, I'm, I'll take it. I'm ready for it because this, I, I know this may sound simple to you, but like, why do you separate each day by person? What does that, is it just because it's easier to know where to put it when you're done, when you're folding yeah, it? Yeah, I just go to that person's room or that person has to bring me their laundry. Like Whit knows, okay, it's Tuesday morning. I bring mom the laundry to the, I go put it in the wash. See, I felt like this is one of those things that to you is so common sense, but you just blew my mind. <laughs> okay, like, I have to put everybody's laundry all together because then when you go put it away, you're going to all multiple rooms of the house. It's much more efficient to do one person's at a time. Okay. In my opinion. Now, this has been very, uh, this has been a lot of trial and error over the years, but this is the system that I think works the best. But I've put it off all week because I just didn't feel like doing it. So now it's just like, now I've risked outside of my laundry room of clean dry clothes um but you know what as far as labels go because I think you wanted this podcast to be about labels not laundry um (laughs) for example I don't cook I don't want to cook I don't enjoy cooking and just because I'm the woman does not mean I'm gonna cook I mean Tyler and I just made that really early on in our life I think cooking is a waste of time like you go through all this effort and then the food's gone in two minutes and then it's just done so I'm just I can't say that Tyler, on the other hand, he loves to cook. It was funny. I was um, outside yesterday putting up Christmas lights and all the trees and around our house. And uh, my neighbor next door was like, hey, Crystal, how you doing? He goes, uh, don't you have kids and a husband to do all that for you? And I said, well, you'd think. I said, but to be quite honest, uh, we made a deal very early on in our marriage that I don't cook. So I do the Christmas lights. He doesn't do Christmas lights. So he cooks. And that works for us, you know. Um, so as far as like division of labor, I think Tyler and I kind of got rid of those labels a long time ago in our home. You know, we just do what makes sense for our family, what we enjoy doing instead of, uh, you know, expecting someone to do just because they're the label of dad or the label. I mean, of course, there are some mom jobs and there are some dad jobs. Like I do not take out the trash. Don't, I don't do that. No, excuse me. <laughs> You're so unapologetic. You're like, no. As a man job, I'm not even going there. You know, I don't close the toilet when it's disgusting. I don't kill the mice. I don't do the bugs. Those are, those are man jobs. Those are your boundaries. You got to set boundaries, you know. So you actually enjoy doing the Christmas lights or is that just a fair trade to you? Like I will. Fair trade to me. Okay. Seriously, I cannot stand to cook. Like I can, you know, I can, okay, I can fry bacon. I can make pancakes. We had a, a brunch at my house this week for Maddie for her birthday. And I like cooked pancakes. So I'm talking for like 10 women. Like I, I did like the whole brunch and everybody was like, you did all this? 
Tyler didn't do this? I was like, y'all, I can do this. I know how. I just don't enjoy it. So why do something you don't enjoy every day? You know, three days, three meals a day. It's just when it comes to the labels of wife and mom, like those aren't things that I'm just am. Those aren't things that limit me. Those are things that have added so much blessing to my life. Those four kids have made me, it's so much fun. Like I love being a mom and I can't stand it when women are like, I don't want to be a mom because like, you don't know what you're missing. Like when you're really just putting it off because you think there's a career out there that's going to bring you more satisfaction. Truly, you don't know what you're missing. Yes, it's hard. Yes, it pushes you to all sorts of limits. Yes, there are days that are no fun, but there's just something so sacred about bringing another life onto planet earth, nurturing that life, you know, cultivating that life. That, that's truly something sacred that I think our generation has really missed the sacredness of, you know, of really what, I mean, it's so cool to be able to see um, something come from nothing and then become you in a way, you know, it's just, that's a really cool thing um, that I've loved getting to do. I'm done doing that. I'm not going to do that anymore. Um, Four babies. Four babies is enough. It's enough. I, yeah, no, that's enough. <laughs> <laughs> well, honestly, if you had another, then you would have seven days of laundry. Right. And eventually there's just not enough days in the week. Like I can't, you just can't keep doing laundry. <laughs> <laughs> that's what it comes down to. It's how many days in the week for laundry. You know, when it comes to being a wife, Tyler and I talk about this a lot because we're not a typical, uh, so, well, I will say Tyler and I are egalitarians, mm -hmm. 100%. You want to talk about labels, that is the label of Tyler and Crystal tell us. We are egalitarian in every sense of the word. There's probably a lot of pastors out there that when they hear this, they're going to cringe because they think it's not biblical, but we're not even like complimentary. Like we don't, like I truly believe and Tyler truly believes that God created us as equals that the word submission is a Christian word before it was ever a woman word, that we are submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. Um, and just because he has male DNA does not mean in God's view that somehow he is greater than, um, stronger than, um, smarter than, that we're both called to walk out of the Garden of Eden hand in hand as co-equals and co-laborers with Christ and to build the kingdom of God here on earth together. And when I submit to Tyler or when I come under him or I defer to him or let him lead in the way in some area, it's because I'm doing that first to Christ because I feel the Holy Spirit is saying that's what's being asked of me to do. But at no point do I ever just defer my thoughts or put my thoughts secondary because I'm a woman or because I'm the wife. I don't feel like that's honoring the Lord to be quite honest and being the most magnificent creation that I can be because I'm a woman. I don't feel like that honors God. So we just decided that we weren't going to live like that. Um, I know women that do and, and truly there's no judgment. Like each of us have to walk according to the fear of the Lord that is in us and to the grace that we've been given. 
Um, but for Tyler and I, I, Tyler demands, like truly, the one thing he asks of me is to be everything that I can possibly be, to use my brain to the fullest capacity, to use my leadership to the fullest capacity, to use my skills to the fullest capacity. But at no point does he let his ego get in the way and expect me to be less than because it makes him feel inferior somehow. And I really get passionate about this because I see a lot of women who don't bring everything they can to the table because they're afraid that somehow they're going to make their husband look bad. I was actually, I guess I knew because we were talking about it, but I remember early on we were married, maybe, I think maybe Whitaker was born. So we were maybe married three or four years. Now, Tyler and I have it. We have an interesting path in life. I wanted to be a marriage and family counselor. So I went to LSU to get my degree in sociology because it was the fastest path to graduate school. I graduated in three years and then I wanted to get like PhD, you know, be doctor like Tullis. Tyler really wanted to go into ministry. He got a business degree, but he really, that was like his path. Ever since he was in sixth grade, he knew that he wanted to be a minister of some sort. And so that was the path he took. Well, then In college, when I started volunteering at the church that we both belonged to, I feel like I got a call into full-time ministry. And so 40 hours into my uh, master's, I laid, I felt like the Holy Spirit asked me to lay that aside and I chose to follow him into ministry instead. So Tyler and I, the first year that we got married, we were dating when we both volunteered together. And then when we got married, our pastor asked us to come on staff together as the youth pastors. Um, This is a really big church. So this was like full-time work for both of us. So our first year of marriage, we shared an office. We had one desk that we sat on opposite sides of, and then they, they gave us one computer and we were newly married. So we didn't have any money to go out and buy our second computer. So we shared, yes, we did. We shared, well, we had separate chairs, gratefully, but we had, so we had one desk, one computer one car, one house, we're newly married, we're 20 years old. And that was, you know, that was an interesting path into uh, just marriage in general, but then also really learning what it meant to work together, to co-labor together. There were some serious fights. Both Tyler and I are very strong, opinionated. Um, We're both, you know, alpha leaders, you know, that's just kind of how we are dominant. And so, That was very difficult because I think in those early years, there was the temptation for Tyler to expect me to wear that label of the woman, the pastor's wife. Mm -hmm. Um, And there was the temptation for me to give into that and not even temptation, but also I felt bad a lot. Like I felt out of place, like God's wired me like this, but yet I'm not allowed to be like this. If I was a man, I easily could, I could lead, I could speak out, I could give my opinion, but because I'm a woman, I'm supposed to be more quiet. I'm supposed to, so I always kind of felt, I mean, for the first probably five years in ministry and in marriage, I really floundered a lot. Anyways, and I was thinking about the, I think the real defining moment for us was we probably three or four years in. And there was a guy, uh, because this wasn't just something that Tyler and I felt with internally. This was, you know, in the world, these labels are externally placed upon you from outside pressures. You compare yourself with other couples. And, you know, Tyler and I would compare ourselves to these other couples who, you know, the man was in ministry, but the wife wasn't. She would just volunteer, you know, she kind of took a more backseat role. 
And we would hear the language. Uh, I remember this one guy was like, yeah, I'm just so blessed. My wife just really feels called to just like iron my shirts and do my laundry and fold my socks every day, you know? And again, no judgment. If that's the grace that's on her and that's all that she wants to do, God bless her. But I just remember that I'm so blessed. Like, well, is Tyler then cursed? Because I want to do more. So you have those outside kind of pressure that because you're like wow I don't really fit in here and then it all really culminated to this other guy that was in ministry at the same time we were uh, we had office offices and he ran a department and Tom and I ran a department and uh <laughs> he did something shady that with the the department that he ran he I felt like he did something shady I witnessed it Tyler did not and it wasn't just that he did something shady it affected people that I led that Tyler and I led Mm-hmm. And so I went to bat for these people and I stood up to him and I kind of called him out in a very nice way. I went and sat down at his desk and, you know, what turned into kind of a conversation like this got a little heated. And so I walked away from it. I said, we'll talk later. Next time we came in, we felt like it would be a good idea for Tyler to come into the office with us and be kind of that third party again, started talking and it got heated again because it was now looking back 20 years later, I see it was, I was the woman. And so therefore I was meant and expected to kind of submit in this area because he was the man. And granted, we were the same age. Like this is, this is peer level. This isn't even somebody that was older me, like, or, or authority for that matter. And he, in the middle of it, I'm not even kidding, across the desk, right in front of me, looked at Tyler and said, would you please get a hold of your wife? No was stunned like this was 2007 we're not even talking like 1940 something this was like 2007 or 8 something like this 2000 yeah and and Tyler looked at me like he was stunned too and he goes um I don't control my wife and you're wrong and we're leaving and I just remember being like did he just What was your reaction? Like, are you just sitting there in disbelief or are you like wanting to reach across the table? Well, my respect factor at that point, I wanted to punch him in the face, you know, like, I can't believe you just said that, but you know, whatever. It's like, did you just like, seriously, did you just say that? And so I think, you know, at that point it was like, okay. And then the other big defining moment when it came to being a pastor's wife was when we were wanting to plant the church here in Boston, that was that was very difficult because we were planting with an organization that was mostly planting churches in the southeastern portion of the United States and you know there is a label of a pastor's wife and what that means and that's not just a southeastern thing that's a worldwide you know Mm -hmm. uh, label that women carry Um, lots of theological debates there are books that are written about this there there this is a hot topic and I think always will be yeah. Until Jesus comes back and sets things straight. And, you know, wh- I'll just be very clear about where I fall. I mean, because I meet people of all different walks of faith, people who are evangelicals, people who are Catholic, people who are Jewish, people who aren't of faith at all. And th- I get the same reaction uh, from a lot. Wait, you're a minister too? You're a pastor too? Like, it doesn't matter if they're people of faith or not of faith. I think that kind of breaks a label or a mold, if you will, in general, when a woman is in ministry. Um Absolutely. It cracks me up. My son, he goes to a, a private Catholic school and they're, they're the, the nicest gentlemen over there. We chose that school because I wanted Wit to be around, you know, men like that. 
but they always, when they talk to me, hello, Mrs. Tullis, how's your husband's church doing? Oh. <laughs> like, his church is great. Thank you for asking. <laughs> I'm like, oh, how do you do that in like such a graceful? How no, do you I do, do try to be graceful because at the end of the day, it's really not about me. You know, it's, it's not that when people say things like that, you can't get offended because it's not about me. Um, you know, you could say the same thing about a woman trying to break through the glass ceiling in a corporation, you know, when she's the only woman in a room and she doesn't get looked at or passed over, you know, those women have just as much right to be offended, but it's really not about me when, when you're a servant of the Lord, it's about him. And so it doesn't matter if they recognize you or respect you or see you or tell you to, you know, Tyler, would you get your wife under control? It's truly not about me. That's between them and God. That's between them and their own ego it really has nothing to do with not about me and that's how you get through this world in peace because people are always trying to take a piece of your peace and I've just you know I'm not going to say I'm perfect at it and then I don't go home and go you know what let me tell you something you know and get try to give them a piece of my peace but I I've, I've really tried to hold on to my peace in this area I mean early on well so I was saying we were where we were going to plant this church and um they had us in a room. They were interviewing us, this, this church plan organization. And um, Tyler and I really struggled with like, who's going to plant us? Because Crystal, like when you take, when you, when we take our personality test, I don't know if you're familiar with the DISC personality profile, but I am like dominant as dominant there is. There is like, there are some people that might be like dominant and intuitive, like a strong 50-50 cut here, like a DI or a dominant conscientious. No, 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 my friends. Crystal Tullis, I am dominant. And then I, the intuitive, conscientious, and steadfastness all the way down here. Like, <laughs> I am nothing else but this. And the Lord completely wired me like that. I mean, yeah. as a kid, since being a child, everyone who knows me, my closest family would tell you, yep, that's just how she's wired. Like, the Lord just wired me like that. So I'm as high D as you possibly can. Well, Tyler, when he takes his personality profile, he's a DI. Like he is a, a truly like a blend of both. Oh. And so, so anyways, we really struggled because we said, who in the world is going to plant a pastor with a wife that is this strong? Because, because oh people truly do fear women who are strong in, in their personality and their leadership because they think they're going to rule over men right and run over him and we actually had people say that to us we were interviewing for a job this was before we were for sure we were going to plant the the, uh, story heights here in boston we interviewed for an associate pastor position at another church out in uh, framingham area and um the pastor there that interviewed us he gave us this disc profile personality test to take he said, I'm a little concerned about you guys being pastors because I can just see her running over you, Tyler, a lot. Now, now granted, this man has never met us before in our lives. He doesn't know you personally. No, he's just looking at results of a personality profile and putting a label on me. He has no idea that we've been married now 12 years at that point or 10 years at that point. He like, he has no clue who we are. He's just reading these labels off of this personality profile test. And just there he said so I'm gonna let y'all retake this test like I don't know if he was giving me an opportunity yes less than my answers or something he said you have seven minutes here's a number two pencil you have seven minutes to take this test so we retake the test 
my results are the same as high dominance you can possibly get. Well, Tyler, you know, is this DI and the first time Tyler took it for this interview, Tyler was a little more modest in his answers. He didn't take it in the seven minutes. Like I think he maybe took oh. 20 minutes to take it. So he would, you know, change his answers. So when he first took the test, he was an ID. So like where he shows more or less dominance than the intuitiveness. And so when they put us together, they were like, oh, we could see how this woman would run over this man. Well, when Tyler only had to take it seven minutes and took it into his true form, he was more dominant than, and he was the DI pr profile. And so the, the, the pastor, he looked at us and he went, oh, now I can see that you could be good church planners and pastors together because Tyler is more dominant. Just like, see, this is where you have to go back to just like what God says about you and not what people think about you. That's really important because that could have one have crushed me like, oh, we're only called to do this if Tyler matches a certain personality profile and or it could have ruined his confidence. Like I can only do this because my wife will be leading me on you know Tyler and I laugh all the time now because in that church planning interview when we decided to plant um, they had Tyler and I in a room and they and this is just talking about labels that people put on you they're put us, they put us in the room and this guy was interviewed us and he said talk to talk to us about your communication style and Tyler kind of looked at me and he said I don't know babe how would you how would you describe and I said well, I said, I don't know, maybe the best picture I can give you, like when it comes to how we preach or how we communicate or you know, how we do public speaking, I said, you know, and again, this was in a church context. So I was trying to give them a picture of who we are. I said, Tyler's kind of more like a teacher and I'm more of like a preacher. Like, does that make sense to you? And the guy was like, okay, yeah. Well, so we left. I, 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 they, they asked me to leave the room. And they then talked to Tyler. Well, when we were going out that afternoon, Tyler said, Crystal, he said, um, if there ever came a time where I would like ask you not to preach for about a year, like, would you be okay with that? And I was like, sure. I said, but where is this coming from? And he was like, well, I don't know. I just don't know if we fit the mold and to, you know, get funding, we may have to kind of fit the mold a little bit better. And I was like, okay but I was livid because I was okay, like I was about to say I'm so surprised you said okay was that just out of shock or oh, I was and again because when you you're trying to walk this fine line of you don't want to be disrespectful to your teammate you right you don't you don't want to you don't want to make them think a certain way but I was trying to assess like where is this coming from mm -hmm. well I don't know a few hours go past and he says to me that he's really insecure Honestly, it was like when, when he wasn't the preacher mold and I was the expected teacher mold, I think there was a level of insecurity, like because he's the man, see men have labels too, that they are expected to wear. It's not just a woman thing. Oh, absolutely. Right? And especially in the church world, we meet a lot, a lot of insecure men, a mm -hmm. lot. And I think social media has done a terrible disservice to the body of Christ. I think preachers compare, you know, pastors, they compare themselves to the Stephen Furtick's of the world and the Bishop T.D. Jakes and, you know, the, the Robert Medu. And they're like, well, I don't preach like him. So I'm not 
gifted. I'm not qualified. I'm not, you know, whatever. I, I don't have as big of church as X, Y, or Z or good enough, as good as social media, you know, top 12 as this church. And so, and so you have a lot of men that are walking around so full of ego and so full of insecurity. And so that's why they don't want women to come to the table as their full selves, because then it makes them feel even less than than they already are. So they're comparing themselves to these men. Now they have to compete with women in their minds. A hundred percent. And instead of just being secure, like Tyler's like, yes, I am. I'm more of a teacher type. I don't sit there and shout and scream and, "Ah," you know, all of this. And I'm not, you know, Tyler would tell you, I'm not, there's nobody I enjoy listening to more than my husband. I think the way I, I tell him all the time, the way he can work a crowd and really communicate and the way he can, he's so dynamic with his voice without having to be over the top and shouting and all of that all the time. I'm like, you, he really does such a, a great job at being authentic. And that is what I appreciate about my husband so much is his authenticity. I think he's a very authentic, authentic leader. And I think our generation desperately needs authentic leaders. You know, I don't, I don't think I've ever noticed Tyler follow a trend his entire life. He followed one trend one time. And this was early 2000s when he got on the skater kick, like when Avril Lavigne was real big. And he did, what was that store that had like the surfboards? Um, the hot you know, well, yeah, it was a store like that. It was in the mall. Paxson. Paxson. My husband went to a Pac Sun and bought a Pac Sun shirt and had his hair all spiky. Oh, and I was like, this is like the trend back then. It was not a good look for him. And then I was like, hey, when are you going to understand that your lane, your lane is just the button down boat shoes, polo shirts, boy, rock you lane. And he has not left that lane since. It is just a good look for him. Oh, because it's such a good look for him, you know, but it just is, that I awesome. Love that I think your looks kind of are funny because they are not the same look. Like you, he expresses himself in his button downs and his boat shoes and you take, you take some risks, which you know, I, I, love. From I mean, the, I try to take some risks to the, the wedge sneakers like you do, but I love it because it's both you. We, both we you try are. to be authentic. You know, we really do try to be authentic um, because I'm going to tell you, trying to keep up is exhausting. Like we have a bunch of 40 year old people still acting like they're 20, you know, trying to be the it people in the in club um, and that I'm sorry, church people aren't removed from that. I don't care what industry you're in. There's always the it club and you're either in it or not. And Tyler and I just decided a long to go, time ago when we were kicked out of the it club that we just don't care anymore. We'd much rather talk about the mom and wife. We would much rather have a really strong nucleus in our own home than constantly trying to feed ourselves out to the in club and the in people of our industry because it's exhausting because you're here today and you're gone tomorrow. We're a, but a vapor on the earth. We're just like, our lives are just like little snapshots and that's it. And it, you know, one of my favorite scriptures of all scriptures is learn to do life with normal people. Just be okay with doing life with normal, nobody people. And, you know, everybody's a somebody, but I think in our minds, 
there are people that we're constantly trying to get the attention of or be in relationship with, or if only I had this influence or this connection or this network. And that doesn't change. That, that doesn't go away. You know, we all think that's people in their 20s trying to network and climb the ladder and all that. I think until you get to that place where you are truly comfortable in your most authentic self. And for me, that's being a very strong, dominant female. That is who I am to my core. God made me like that. Um, I think there are ways that we, it doesn't matter who you are. You could be the most softest on the opposite spectrum of the disc personality profile. You could be the, uh, the most conscientious person alive on planet earth. What we all have in common is, is the need to redeem our personalities, to let God have control of them is what, what I mean by that. Um, because if we're not careful, we can either become too brash mm-hmm. where we lose the respect and we lose the inf, which for me is strong alpha female. I love business. I love strategic thinking. I love visions, you know, visionary thinking. That's just who I am. And a lot of people would expect that to be my husband. That's not who he is. Like he, like I wear him out with my visionary thinking and my strategic thinking and, you know, I wear him out. I like it exhausts him. That is just not how God has wired him. And so taking off those expected labels are really important because that's where you find true rest. You know, like they truly is where you find rest in life. And I think so many people are walking around emotionally and mentally exhausted because they're trying to be somebody they were never created to be, you know, keeping up with the expectations, both those internal and external pressures, like I was talking about. It it seems like a lot of times we feel like if we lean into this label, whatever it may be, then we will find rest. But when you're trying to conform yourself to something that you were never meant to be confined to. Confined, that's a good word. No, you're just not. You're not. And what will result is burnout. Um, Burnout, that's what will happen. That's why you have so many people that are sick with depression and anxiety and addictions and porn addictions and they're having affairs. You know, when you kind of get to our age, this is what's happening. We look around and people are not emotionally well. And it's not because they're busy. I'm a big believer. Busy is not our demise. It's when you're not being authentic, when you're not your authentic self, when you haven't set boundaries, when you're going a, a, a mile that you were never intended to walk. Busy is a good thing. I truly believe keeping ourselves productive, moving the ball forward, not getting bored, not stucking it, getting stuck in ruts. Those are things that are good for us. Um, but when you are on a hamster wheel going in a direction that you were never meant to go, because that's not who you really are, um, or you're doing something that you're not good at, that you really should invite people along who are good at it. Mm-hmm. That's where you'll be thriving, right? Because you'll be busy in the right things. And for us and in the church world, um, and you know, Tyler and I do so much more. I I talk about another label. Pastors can only do one thing. Um, And we just let go of that label a long time ago too. Uh, One, because we didn't see it in scripture. Paul was a tent maker. Uh, He did more things uh, than, than, than just the building the church. When we moved to Boston, we decided to take off that label that pastors have to be solely pastors and that's it. 
Uh, one, because we weren't going to be broke our entire life. That was just a decision that he and I had made. We were not going to just live off of whatever the tithes and offerings, whatever people felt like giving that year. We, we were not going to do that to our children. We wanted to be able to go to Disney World when we wanted to. We wanted to be able to have money to invest, save for college, and not always be broke. That was very important to us. We are big believers that the local church is not a corporation, as some have made it. I'm going to get in trouble now with these, probably get some emails, Rosanna, whoever this podcast goes out to, but I'm not saying it's wrong to get a paycheck from the church. Tyler and I get one, but and we should because we, we spend, you know, a fourth of, or probably, I would say a third of our time during the week focused on the church, building the church, um, strategically thinking about the church, checking on people, you know, doing the work of pastoring. But with that said, we don't want that to limit us. And there's been a, a long line of thinking for generations now that, that pastors can only do that. And our question, our strategic question a decade ago when we were building out the life that we wanted to build was, well, what about people who don't come to church? How do you meet them? Like, how do you do life with them? Like, like I, I'm passionate about Korea or this bubble right. and how are you going to reach other people? When we were on staff at a mega church for about eight years. And I, I can't tell you a single person I did life with that didn't come to church. And for me, that's a problem because we're supposed to be evangelists telling the greatest story ever told. Well, how do I do that if I only go into an office, a church office, and I spend 40 hours a week with paid church staff members, and then on my weekends, I'm doing church stuff, and I only other seeing church people. Again, there's only so many days in the week to do laundry, you know? So it's like, when do you, when do you meet those people? Um, and so for us, that was really an important, uh, it was this huge strategy move for us to be combo bivocational. It may have led to, you, you can't play those hypotheticals in mind. Some people would, who would push back on this would tell you, well, your church has grown slower because of it. You know, you're not as focused on it as you should be. You're not honoring people's tithes and offerings, earning the paycheck, your, your, your double, you know, your, your focus is elsewhere. Again, I, we chose not to play all those hypothetical games um, and said, you know what, our whole life is ministry, not just what we do 40 hours a week. Our whole life is ministry. And the, the countless, the dozen, I would say hundreds now at this point of people that we have served um, through our real estate company, mm -hmm. through our child care uh, industry that we've, we've started. Now we do these micro schools. We have some other business investments that I'll just tell you, we are meeting people who are, would never walk through the doors of our church. And personally, you know, we don't have an agenda. I'm not trying to make them disciples of Jesus. You know, I, I'm just I'm just being me, doing my normal life, doing life with them, available to serve them, available to love them, available to have them over to my house. And that to me is just, when I read the scriptures, that's what Jesus did. He didn't have an agenda. He was just there. He just was, if they asked a question, he answered it, but he didn't go around like, you know, constantly trying to shove it down people's throats. I think and that's, that's a testament you know, to your faith too, because you understand that if you are not limiting your your life as a pastor and and a, a what's the word evangelist for Jesus to forty hours, that God is going to do the rest. You don't have to push it or make things no. or try to make yeah. people fit into a. You just show up as you are created, and he'll do that. He'll do that. 
And that goes back to being your most authentic self, right? Like when I'm authentic, when I'm just me, you know, and again, I just don't ever, and I was, I've never been more proud of my husband than when he came back from a conference, he went to a pastor's conference and um, he told me the story that, I mean, there there were thousands of of men and, and women there, but mostly men that at the end, the, the pastor who was speaking said, you know, I just feel like there's a bunch of you that are burnt out. You need fresh oil. You need fresh, you know, anointing. You need fresh, um, you just need, you just need, you just, you're burnt out. If that's you, would you stand up? Tyler said probably 90% of the room stood up. And he said, Crystal, I asked God, like, am I burnt out? Like, do I need to get up? And he would, and he was like, Crystal, I'm not, I've never been happier our marriage has never been happier. And I will tell you, upward mobility is really important. And, you know, when we talk about when people aren't happy, it's a lot of times because they're insecure, they're wearing the labels of somebody else. And I think there's a lot of pastors in, who are stuck. They can't do anything else because this is all they've done mm-hmm. for 20 years, for a decade. And they don't have the work experience anywhere else. And they, even though they would like to, they're burnt out because they can't. This is, this is how they feed their families. This is how, and again, when we, you know, a decade ago, when we were thinking, when we were building this life of ours, we made some very strategic decisions that we weren't going to get to 50 burnout. Like that was, that was really, really important to us that when we got to 50, our marriage was going to be awesome, that we could walk away from the ministry if we wanted to, that we could pass it off if we wanted to, that we, we didn't, we don't have to do anything because that's what we've always done. And I think when we talk about freedom, people need that kind of freedom, you know, to yeah. just, you know, because if you're not careful, you can just wear that I'm a pastor as a label. I'm just a pastor. Again, the sacredness of that. It is a sacred calling. It's a sacred job that people trust you enough to listen to you. They show up. Tyler and I do not take that for granted. That show up in the midst of COVID to building, to sit in a chair and to let us speak into their lives. That is a sacred trust that we try to honor. And I don't ever want it to be because, well, this is where we get our paycheck. And so if we lose this paycheck, what are we going to do? You know, um, so it's really important that we don't ever feel like that. And I think being bivocational has has kept it like that for us. That at any point we know that if we are burnt out, we can pass it off. We did what God asked us to do. We started a church here. So can you back up to those first five years when you and Tyler were first married and you're going through all these, basically these experiences where it's becoming clear that even though God made you to be this strong, dominant woman, just with fire, that other people didn't see it that way. Like what did you, what were the conversations you had with yourself? And what would you tell somebody who might be going through that right now? Like if there is a young couple and maybe a young Tyler and Crystal just starting out just like y'all, what would you say to that Crystal? Well, I mean, face the fact and probably in a negative way. We just talked to this strong woman that feels like God has, you know, wired you to be strong, to be out front, to be outspoken. You, you just need to know it's, it's never going to be just widely accepted. Um, very few people would be like, 
go awesome woohoo like they're never going to be um just the choir that's that's rooting for you like as if you were a male so i don't like to have a victim mentality because i think women are getting to do more today than ever so i think we would be doing a disservice to the women who have gone before us if we complain all the time or have that bad attitude because they'd be like honey mm-hmm. look around you know And so, you know, we need to really come every day with a grateful lens of who we are and what we get to do and the investment we get to make into the earth. I think it's, that's really important. With that said though, you just need to be factual that, you know, it's okay if you're not celebrated every step of the way and that there's going to be people who talk about you behind your back, women included. Oh yeah. Um, And that's, and that's okay too. When you come at your life, again, remember I was talking about, we all need to be redeemed. In other words, we need to let God make us the best version of what he had in mind when he created us. Because if you are really strong, there's, you can kind of, if you're, if you go irredeemed in your personality, you can become too brash. You can be a kind of where you bully people, you know, where you don't understand empathy, where you don't think before you speak and you just think, well, that's just how I am and deal with it. Well, nobody wants to be around a bully. So it's very important that your dominance stays redeemed and stays bridled, you know, where you're really effective when you need to be effective. That's, that has been honestly, probably what God did with me over the last 13 years is really learning how to rein in my strength. That's very important that we learn how to do that as strong women. Um, But the same thing, if you're not a dominant woman, that's okay too. If God wired you to be more meek, more quieter spoken, you know, where you are more, maybe more steadfast and maybe you're not a visionary, that's good too. But you need to let that part be redeemed as well, because otherwise you'll blend into the shadows and never really make a difference like you're made to make a difference as well because you will be so insecure you'll let people walk all over you so we all have to learn our own how to like i said to bridle in our our best version of who we are that we can really run this race that god's called us to do with effectiveness and so you know to the person to the young couple that's just starting out i'll say to the man if you're married to a woman that's really strong i'm telling you your best move is to let her be all that she can be and push her to be all that she can be the the worst mistake that i think married people make and I see this, it doesn't matter who has what personality, is they become competitors. Mm-hmm. And we were never meant to compete one another. We were meant to complete one another. Again, where we have each other's backs, where we have each other's blind spots, where we push each other to be the best version of themselves, the most authentic version of themselves. When we compete, that was what Tyler and I did when we first married. We competed, who got time on the computer? Who got time on the at the desk who got to drive the car that day you know whatever all these things that we were sharing when really we were supposed to be learning and, and we did we were learning this not to be competitors not to strive one another but how to complete one another if all married people would think that way where she's not somebody i have to you know step on to get to where i'm going or she's not somebody i'm using you know to take care of the kids in the house so that i can do my career where women don't just think well i just put all my aside to push him forward you can't think like that you have to be if you are going to truly just be mom and just be wife that's fine but that needs to be your choice that you're making if you're just doing it because you feel like it's the label you're supposed to wear then you can blame nobody at the end of your life but yourself because you had that victim mindset where, well, this is just what women are expected. Nobody's making you do that. Nobody's making you stay at home with a gun to your head. So 
again, if you're going to do that, then you need to own that decision and say, you know what? No, this is the most sacred calling that I could have. This is a season of my life. So if this is the choice that I'm going to make, then I'm going to make the most of it. Mm -hmm. I'm not going to see my husband as the one who gets to go out and work while I'm stuck at home. If that's the decision that you're making, then make that decision and own it, but don't do it with resentment because it will ruin your life. It'll ruin your kid's life. It'll ruin your husband. It'll ruin your marriage. If you, if you let resentment break down, you know, who you are, you don't, you don't want to do that. So if you don't want to just be a mom and just be a wife and just stay home, then don't. Mm-hmm. Like just don't. Um, you know, you you can do other things. This is America. Like you have that choice. And so, and I think a lot of women do. But I, but with the same with the same token, you need to count the costs. Like you need to know. When Tom and I first moved here, there was a cost to that. I had to work from home because there were bills that had to be paid. But I wanted my kids home with me. I didn't want them in a big daycare. So mm-hmm. we made choices. I could have been making a lot of money doing something else. Remember, I had 40 hours of master's work. I could have finished, mm-hmm. um, but I just decided that that was not the choice that I wanted to make. So instead, I worked for a court reporter because it was something I could do from home. I hated it. It was not what I wanted to do, but I was really grateful for that five years of, you know, I made good money from home and I did, and I kept my kids home with me when they were little. Tyler would leave. And I wasn't like jealous of him that he got to leave because we were working and building a life together. And that's what that season required. That season required that he go work. He worked as a carpenter's assistant. He leave the house and I stayed home and I worked with the kids. And that was, that was an intense season. But because we knew we were not competitors, that we were working together, then, you know, there, there, it changed the attitude of, by which we did everything. Well, it sounds like that kind of, remove some ego out of it totally it's not this is his role this is my role and it's always going to be like this it was no this is how i choose to solve this part of our lives or to operate the season and it's interesting because i i wrote down and i took a note when you were talking about compete versus complete and it's funny because i feel like you kind of turned what people typically say when they're talking about a partner like he completes me or we complete each other and you turned it on its side because you didn't say it from a perspective of I'm less of a person and he makes me a whole person. You're talking about completing each other as two completely whole individuals who are Absolutely. in love. That's right. Absolutely. I mean, Tana got married young, no doubt. Um, so we kind of grew up together and, you know, we chose to do that. You know, a lot of people are like, do you regret getting married? No, because I have owned every choice that I've ever made. I got married young because I wanted to. There were just certain things that were important to me. I wanted to wait to have sex until I got married. And so I chose to get married at 20. Mm -hmm. Um, I'm 38 now. And looking back, do I regret getting married young? No, because again, you can't play those hypothetical games. Well, what if I didn't No, this is the life that I've chosen. So Mm -hmm. I'm going to stick out that commitment, you know, you know, for people who wait to have kids, do you regret that? Don't regret that. These are the choices that you've made. You can't look back with regret on your choices. These are just a choice. Own them. Don't be a victim to them. If there's something you don't like about your life, rip the label off, do it different. You know, um, you know, I, I just, we only live one time. And again, I mean, just imagine having a bottle of hairspray with you right now, aerosol can, and you spray that aerosol can. That is the, the Bible says, that's what your life is like. It's but a vapor. It's like here today, gone tomorrow. That's it. And so what do you want to make of your life? Stop blaming the people who have put the labels on you 
you take them off, you own who you are and be the best version of you, you know? Yeah, there's something to be said about commitments that you make. And so you may have to stick it out for a while, you know, but you don't have to be forced into a label um, forever. You, you can make changes. That's really important. Again, I think you'll be most happy when you're free. And the way to be best free is to live without those, those external labels that are put on you. Is there any final words that you want to say? I would just say, don't put labels on people, you know, let people, let people do, do, you know, who they are, be graceful with people as they go. If you're a woman that is, is wearing an, an external label and you feel like you can't keep up to those pressures, just breathe. Don't get offended. Like I said, don't give people a piece of your peace. Just, you know, you be at peace with you, be at peace with yourself, be at peace with your creator, and then everything else falls into line. Boom. Boom. Crystal, thank you. And I appreciate you taking the time to do this. I appreciate you. Thank you for having me. I hope you guys enjoyed that interview as much as I did. Remember, we now have an Instagram, so please go by, check it out, follow the account Breaking Labels Podcast, leave comments, Uh, would love to engage with you, and also please leave a review on iTunes or Spotify, would love to hear from you there as well. Until next time, have a great week.